evening. You may take your seat. That was a good one. Good evening. There you go. Everyone be like Simon, please. Amen. Such a good, good time for us to be together. It's such a sweet time, right? This, this time on Sundays are such a refuge. The week, I don't know how your week was, the things that you have been going through, but Sundays are such a great day. It's such a great time. You know that you're going to be with great people. You know you're going to listen to and worship to God with great music. You know that you're going to listen from the Word of God, and, and God definitely always speaks to us in one way or another. And I don't want to come in the way between what God has in store for you this evening. I want that everything that I'm going to share, I really believe that it is from the Word of God for each and every one of us. Will you say to the person next to you, pay attention? Okay. Can you tell them th this, what Ruben is going to say is for you? Okay. Believe that it's not one of those times that you really think you're listening to the preacher and you say, oh, I wish just that that one person would be here. They are the one that needed to listen to this. You know, you, we always think about that. There's always someone else that should be listening, but they're not here. It's you. So I believe it is from the word of God to us. It is for each and every one of us. He knew we're, we were going to be here today listening to the word. And he has something beautiful for us. And in the evening services, we're starting yet another message series. Because we love to dig in and go deep into the word of God. A message series that is called From Here to There. Why do we call it From Here to There? Because look around you. We're all international people. We're all people that travel a lot. We're constantly on the move. But on a more personal note, we are constantly in life being challenged to grow. We are constantly being challenged to move to another level, whether that is on a personal side, if it's a professional life. I, I've been speaking with some of you who are starting new jobs, starting new businesses, some or growing your families. Yes, I'm looking at some of you that are growing your families. And that's an exciting thing. It means things are evolving. Things are happening. And with God, life is a constant journey from here to there. God is constantly taking people to a new level. Salvation that we've experienced from the Lord is a new level. It's a new life. Serving God is a new level. It's new gifts. It's new talents that the Lord is entrusting us with. Growth in itself is a new level. It means implies new knowledge. And one of the main responsibilities that we have as preachers as we gather here together on Sunday, because we are so many times so focused in our lives of what is happening with me now, that we forget big picture. Can you say with me big picture? What, we, what brings us together on Sundays, many times, if we can define it in one way, is big picture. Because the Word of God challenges us to look in, into our own lives through a big picture. And what is that big picture? It's the Word of, of God. It's the Bible. It's a story that goes from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story of what is God doing when He decided to create the whole universe. Even when He decided to create you. Uniquely as you are, as, and strange as you are, and adorable as you are, he chose you. And so our responsibility and our purpose is not so much just, okay, here's five tips that you need to apply into your life so that your life gets better. Here's three different ways that you can love more. Here's five different ways that God loves you. That's not the point of giving tips. The whole point is to point your life and show in your life what is the big picture. And the big picture in our lives is this. God is a God of salvation. And he wrote and he is writing a beautiful story with our lives. From beginning until the end that hasn't reached now, even though it is already written, we are part of a bigger story. We're in a journey of something much bigger than we are. The times we are living, we can call them part of the New Testament. Oh, but wait a minute. I thought New Testament was in the Bible. It's part of books that are already written. It's true. 
they all already written. We're not rewriting or adding to this story, but we are still living in the times of the New Testament. And what God is challenging you and me is for us to understand that we are part of a bigger story. We're, we love to think that we are unique, that we are drafting our own path, that we are achieving so many different things for ourselves when God actually, he knows the story from beginning till the end. And he is inviting us to understand and to be part of the story of what he wants to do with our lives. If you want to know what is God doing in this specific moment, what is God trying to achieve when he puts you in Portugal for this time? Maybe you're passing by as a tourist. Maybe you're planted in Lisbon for a season. Why am I here? Well, we go into the word of God and we get wisdom into understand what is God doing. And what he's doing is actually what he's doing in all of us. He's growing us. He's maturing us. Because of the things that are yet to happen, because of the future that he has prepared for us. Now, we know it's great. We know it's brighter. But it requires us to understand what are we doing here. Now, some of you will say, but Ruben, in my personality, I'm more of a fan of stability. You say, I like the things the way they are. Every time something shifts or changes, I get all stressed out. I don't like to move a lot. Even coming to Portugal was such a big thing. I don't want to move anywhere else. I like stability. I like where I am. And I understand that. I think even in our relationship, I'm more of a fan of the stability in that way, if we can understand it in that way. But there is a difference between stability and stagnation those are two different concepts stability is steadiness the quality of being continuous in development just because something is stable it doesn't mean it is stagnant because when God is taking you in a journey from here to there he is taking you to a new level but it doesn't mean that it's there's no stability God himself describes himself as the rock of our salvation. There's nothing more stable than God. God is the one that provides us stability throughout our entire lives. He will always be the same. He will always remain the same. So God is a God of stability. But that doesn't mean that he allows us to be stagnant. Stagnation is lack of activity of growth, of moving. And stagnation is never God's plan. And I know that sometimes we feel stuck. I know that sometimes things are just not flowing. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to expect. But these are the times where we feel just a little bit more lost that we have to understand these are times of preparation because it means that God is going to do a move in your life. It means that God is preparing something to happen in your life. There is not one of us in this room here where God is not in a journey with you to, from taking you from the place that you are to somewhere else. And I'm not just saying physically, but especially spiritually, emotionally, in, intellectually. Every area that you can grow, God is interested in your growth. But for any move to happen... You need to get ready for it. No one moves if they're not ready for it. Otherwise, things that happen will just make you feel that I'm not living life. Life is living me. But we have to understand that Christianity, our life with God, is not just about the destination, but it's about the journey. Our lives are in this journey, and God is as interested in the journey as in our final destination. And that is why we go into the word of God. And I really believe this message series is going to speak so much truth into our hearts. Because the word of God is our compass. The word of God will always be our guide. It will always provide us the wisdom, the comfort, the peace that we need. The stability that we need. As we live different times and different seasons in life. And, and throughout the coming weeks we're going to be studying specifically in the book of Exodus. 
we're going to go into the Old Testament. So if, if you have never read the Old Testament, this is a good time to start reading it. The Word of God in its fullness, and especially the Old Testament in this case, it gives us so much wisdom, so much insight of who God is. It tells us the stories of those that have walked with God and what is God doing with their lives. So in Exodus, we see the story of the people of Israel. And I know maybe about two years ago, we did a message series on the book of Exodus. So again, we're going back into the word. We're going back into the realities that we need to apply into our lives. Because the word of God, it tells us that the children of Israel, they were living in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. That was never the plan, but they, they fell into slavery for 400 years. They were slaves in Egypt. But then it go, the story goes and turns immensely in a beautiful way that God delivers the people of Egypt and takes them into the promised land. And I'm sure that those of you that have been at church and have listened to and read the word and, and listened to many preachers, you've heard this story, these stories time and time again. But you know what? We need to listen to it even more because we need to apply it even more. This is a reminder for, you, for me as much as it is for you. And we need to go into scripture so that we can understand how does God lead us from here to there. Because sometimes we just feel that we are lost. So many times we still feel that we have no idea what is God doing. We don't know, have no idea where he's taking us. But fear not, because the Lord is with us. And his word is with us. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's an introduction to this series, that the things that we're going to be reading, these things happen to them, to the people of Israel, as examples. And were written down as warnings for us, whom the culmination of the ages has come. In the different words, everything that we read in scriptures regarding the people of God, it relates to you and me. If it is written, it's because you and I, we need examples to understand. If we're on our own, we do not understand much of what God is doing. But if we go into the word of God, we start connecting the dots. We see how God works and we see the same way that God works with his people. He's actually at work in us. So my prayer and my hope is that in the coming weeks, we will feel much more motivated to follow the voice of God. We will feel much more motivated by the big picture. We will feel much more motivated knowing that with God, it's never the end. We may reach crossroads. We may, may feel that we're reaching dead ends, but with God... God has some, always something else that he wants to do. And so the first passage that I want us to read this evening in this story, so as I said, the people of Israel, they were in Egypt. Imagine that. We won't have time to uncover all the stories, so do please read the book of Exodus. But just giving you and reminding you of that, imagining being in Egypt, imagine being slaves. Even in the modern days, there are, it, it, there's slavery. Even in Portugal, sometimes we read it on the news. It feels that it's, it's crazy, but it happens. Now, the word of God tells us in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, even before God starts doing anything with his people, God says this. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land in a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And this passage is just beautiful. And I really think it just shows the heart that God has for us. God is not a distant God. He's not an indifferent God to our suffering for the things that you and I are going through in life. How many times the devil accomplishes to steal our joy and give us feelings of, of loneliness and desperation and, and because of our misery, because of our sufferings. But the word of God was sent to his people through Moses and God was speaking to Moses and God is telling Moses, I am seeing and I am concerned. 
our God is not indifferent to our sufferings. God is not indifferent to your circumstances. He knows exactly where you are. He knows how stuck you feel, how desperate you feel, how lost of ideas you are, how lacking money you are. He knows all of those things, and he is concerned. And the Bible shows us he is concerned with your own heart because of the misery of my people, because of the suffering that it's causing. And God is telling them, this is the great news. This is the good news of the gospel all over again. God is telling them that there is something good ahead of them. God is saying that there's something very good that is going to happen. God is filling the hearts of his people that are in misery and suffering with something good. But before they would pack their bags and move out of Egypt, the people had to trust in the promises of God. The people that were living in slavery for 400 years, their main obstacle for all of this to happen was their unbelief. Even Moses, he was telling God, God, you, are, you want me to go tell the, the people that you finally, you will do something about it. But how are they going to believe? What am I going to do to let them know that this is true? And I think we also actually live in a society and at times that we hear so many empty, empty promises. There is so much clickbait on, on the internet. There are so many promises, get rich fast, get skinny, skinny fast, do many things. And we, we think that, man, there's nothing. The nothing is going to happen. All of that is fake. But let me tell you something. When God says, he does. When God promises, he delivers. It doesn't really matter how long you will have to wait the things that you have to endure, but hope comes from knowing that God is faithful to his promises. And when you know, you know that God is someone that you can trust. The word of God tells us openly that among the people of Israel, among those that God wanted to take out of slavery, and actually some went away from Egypt, but their hearts were still filled with unbelief. Imagine that. Let's read it in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. So the people of Israel, they heard good news. The promise is God is going to do something. God wants to take you to a better place. God wants to change your circumstances because he has purposes and plans for you. You have to trust that God is at work. These good news were preached to Israel as they're being preached to us right now. But the word of God says, but the message they heard was of no value to them. Because those who heard did not combine it with faith. We can trust in the sovereignty of God and still live in, in, ex, in the expectation of his miracles and power. We can trust that he is God of all and he doesn't have to do a huge miracle for me to believe that he is good, that he is God. But I have to open my heart and live with the expectation of his miracles and power. Because if I don't trust, I won't see. We accept, God didn't call us to accept reality as it is because everything came from God. This misery, it comes from God. This suffering comes from God. We don't live that way. We're not called to Oh, everything God does, okay, suffering, come on, let's have suffering. No, God is concerned with our suffering. And God wants to act. God wants to give us hope. God wants to fill our hearts with peace. This morning we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. God wants to be the source of everything that we are lacking in this moment. 
And I have to believe in the promises of God. Otherwise, I won't see a change. It doesn't have to be God has to do what I expect him to do. But I have to believe that I will see his goodness, that I will see his power, that he will do something with my current circumstances. Because even if I die, God can do something beautiful in my funeral. God can do something amazing even when I'm not here. Because it's not about us, but trusting in the faithfulness of God. Be hopeful. Trust that God will do something with what you have right now. He's a God of comfort. He's a God of peace. He's a God of provision. He's a God of love. God is the God of the impossible. Who would we be if we didn't trust that God was able to do the impossible in our lives? So ask God to help you look beyond your current circumstances. Don't fall into the same mistake as the people of Israel, of many in Israel. When God shows you what he wants to do in your life, when God starts speaking words that prompt hope and faith into your life, don't shut it down. Receive it with faith. Nurture that faith because everything according to Scripture starts with faith. But someone that is living by faith needs to be ready for opposition. You see, when God took the people out of Israel, God didn't put them in the red bus to go sightseeing. You know those buses that we have in Lisbon? They're all over the world. We imported that from the UK, I think. We didn't have those buses before, I I promise you. That's something very new. It's a way of doing business. It's working out, apparently, because there's lots of red buses in Lisbon now. But the journey from Egypt to the promised land, to what God had in store for his people, was not a red bus. It wasn't tourism. It was a journey through the wilderness, a journey in the desert. And in that, there were many peoples and there was going to be conflict. There was going to be trouble. There were many people that didn't want Israel in that land. So the word of God tells us in Exodus 13 verse 18, the Israelites went, went up out of Egypt ready for battle. The people of God, when they decided to move, when they acted on the promises of God, they went out ready for battle. And there's a lesson here. There's an application. There's a spiritual truth for us in our lives. Because just because God is leading you from point A to point B, it doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy journey. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a journey without opposition. So many of you, you felt led by God to come into Portugal, but then you had problems with your landlord. You had problems in your workplace. You had problems everywhere. And then you had no water. You had no electricity because this happened and that happened. And you think, maybe God is not with me. Maybe God gave up on me. It's not true. Opposition will happen in the life of a believer. There is spiritual opposition Most importantly, spiritual opposition to what God wants to do in your life. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this in verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What does this mean? It means that the devil does not want you to reach your destination. It means that there are spiritual, dark spiritual powers that are actively at work for you not to live the life that God wants you to live. There's going to be opposition in the journey of what God wants to do in your life. He knows that what you have and what God wants to do in your life is very valuable. And he will try to do everything in his power to meddle with it, to mess it up. If you don't know 
the spiritual, these spiritual forces of evil, yes, we're battling them. That is our battle. But they're also battling you. So they've been studying you. They've been watching you and me for a while. They also know our weaknesses. They also know our problems. They also know where we are fragile. And anyone that is in battle, you will go for it. If you know that's going to give you an advantage, that's what the enemy is going to try to do. But the word of God says, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So that when the day of evil comes, because it comes, it will come, you may be able to stand your ground. And after done everything to stand. So failing in the spiritual preparation is the difference between victory and defeat. And what is this armor of God? What is God telling us? How do we need to prepare for this spiritual opposition? The word of God continues in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So there is a preparation. There is something that we need to be ready for in the journey that, where God is taking us. And right now, we need to put on the belt of truth. It means we need to accept the word of God as the truth. We need to reject all the lies. We cannot base our lives on lies. We need to stand firm with the belt of truth. The righteousness, the belt, the breastplate of righteousness means don't carry guilt or condemnation. Don't carry just the fault of everything wrong that you've done throughout your days and just carry all of that every single day. No, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Accept you're completely forgiven of your past wrongdoings. You know that this is the area that hurts when you think about the things that you've done. And God wants us to be covered. Our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. It means to be ready to live a life of obedience to God. Seek to be obedient to God at all times. Shield of faith means trust in the Lord above what your eyes are able to see. The helmet of salvation, the battlefield in our minds, it means we have to understand the word of God to fully know that we are saved, that we are protected. The sword of the spirit, that is the word of God. Speak the word of God. Live in the word of God because it is powerful. Better than what I am able to say if I'm speaking the word of God and if I'm quoting scripture, that is powerful. It's vital for your life and my life. And finally, pray at all times. Pray for everyone. This is what someone that is ready for battle looks like. And this is the reason why many times we feel injured in the battlefield. This is the reason why some of us are <laughs> hopping, why some of us are devastated. But the word of God is giving us all the tools that we need to be a prepared soldier in battle. A, a soldier that is prepared in the battlefield. A soldier that knows who he is, knows his tools, knows that he is protected. He knows that the victory is certain. He knows that the victory will come. And quoting Psalm 23, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord is, is taking care of us even though there are enemies all around. According to scripture, he's not going to take all the enemies away. But he will prepare a table for us. He's taking care of us throughout the way. 
The Lord will make us lie down in green pastures. These green pastures are not found in the plains of Alentejo or up north if you go to Jerez. These green fields and pastures are found in the battlefield. They're found in very hard circumstances and areas where the Lord helps us lay down and find rest in who he is. So hardships are not an indication that God is absent from your life. No, they can be the indication that you are in the right track. That God knows you and he knows you how to take you where you need to go in a safe and sound way. But still you and I, we need to be ready for battle. Another aspect of this journey of the people of Israel is that they had to learn to be led. When they were in Egypt, they were used to the Egyptians to tell them what they were supposed to do every single day. They were not, a slave is not taught to think or to listen to their emotions and to, uh, to understand what is going on and to make even make simple choices. What they eat, what they sleep, what they work, what they produce, how many children they have. Their outcomes are always set by someone else. And so for a slave to go out into freedom, God knew that they needed guidance. They needed orientation. The word of God tells us in Exodus 13, verse 21, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And such an indication. I love this part of this story. And I grew up watching the movies and watching the cartoons of Moses and the people of Israel. And it's so visible that God was ahead of them. God was leading the way. God was ever present. But if God decided and he chose to guide his people in this way, many times you oh, but God is, maybe is not interested to lead me in that same way. No. God is the same. God is a God that wants to lead you every single day of your life. God is a God that wants to give you assurance that you're in the right place and that you're moving in the right direction. When you are between the here and there, God will always want to guide you with his peace. The desert is a very confusing place. I've never been to a desert area. That is one of the things that, yeah, maybe one day we'll visit a desert. But some of you have been into a desert. And one thing that I've heard from people that visited deserts, it's that after a while it's a bit confusing. Because after a little bit, you don't know where the way you came into it. You don't know where the exit is. Everything looks a bit of the same. And so if you don't have a guide in the desert, if you don't have someone trustworthy with you, a desert can be a very confusing place to be at. And it's not by chance that the word of God compares our lives and compares our journey to the people of Israel in the desert. Because it can be confusing. If you rely solely on what your eyes are able to see, it's exactly that. It's confusing. What is God doing? Where is God leading us? And why is this happening to me right now? And I have no idea. It seemed like God wanted me to go this way, but it feels like a dead end. What is happening right now? And we panic. How many times do we panic? We panic a lot. But the spiritual truth in Scripture is God is a God that wants to lead. God is a God that leads the way. God is not happy to have us in the middle of the desert confused because we don't, want, we don't know which way to go. God is not taking us there to see us suffer, to see that we have no idea where to go next. No. 
The desert is a place where we learn to set our eyes on him. If you are in the desert of your life right now, rest assured God has taken you there simply because he wants to teach you to set your eyes on him alone. The people of Israel, they had to learn to set their eyes on God. A little bit after they left Egypt, they looked back and what did they see? They saw the Egyptians coming after them. Immediately their thoughts were, why did we leave Egypt? Why did we leave them? At least they gave us onions to eat. At least we had a place to sleep. Right now we're in the desert. We have nothing. We don't know what God is going to do. We're going to die in this desert. Now they're going to slaughter all of us. That's how you and I, we think when we feel in the desert. And we all know, hopefully, the big miracle that God did, that God opened the Red Sea. Now it just feels like, okay, and then God opened the Red Sea and they went away in safety. Yay. It was a big thing. It was a huge thing, more than we have time to explore. But God opened the sea so that the people could learn not to look at the Egyptians no more, not to look into their present circumstances, but to fix their eyes on the God that is able to guide them into a better way. The word of God says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The word of God says in Jeremiah 19, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Never allow yourself to move on until you are sure of the presence of God. And I don't know what you need to do exactly and what, what are in your relationship with God, what you need to do. And we need to pray for sure. We need to look into the word of God. There's a lot of wisdom into making godly decisions in our own lives. But God is a God that guides us with his presence. And he's a God that guides us with his peace. And if you're lacking peace right now, if you don't know exactly what to do, seek the God of all peace because the fruit of the Spirit is peace. According to Scripture, God is calling us to follow the voice of our shepherd. So my friends, if you are in the midst of decisions that you need to make, if you don't, are not certain, just ask God to speak. Surrender your ways because God wants to lead the way. The outcome... And the journey might be different with what you and I, we were thinking of. But God will guide us with his presence. And I'd rather be like saying the, the psalmist says, I'd rather be in the courtyards of God for one day than a thousand days away from God. If God is in it, then we're going to be okay. If that is part of God's plan, if that's part of the journey that God has for me, then I'm okay with it because God is going to be with me. Maybe some of you are concerned, am I in the place, am I really in the place where God wanted me to, to be? If you already have that concern in your heart, that is such a good indication. It means that your heart is seeking God. It means that your heart is open for God to change the plans. So let God do that. God, I'm here right now, but lead me in your ways. Change me in any way that you want to. And that way, we see the greatness and the purposes of God in our lives. Lastly, I want us to open in Exodus chapter 14, verse 30. The Bible says, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord display against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. 
Now, I don't want to give away too much of the story. I don't want to spoil it. If uh, you're going to come the next weeks, you can always read the book of Exodus. That is spoiling everything, and that's absolutely fine. But one thing that we can learn from the story of the people of God in Exodus is that Israel had trust issues. And maybe some of us have trust issues with God. With Israel, God, he delivered his people from Egypt and still Israel complained when things got hard, when things got rough. But God delivered them nonetheless and they rejoice in God. And then on their way, just before the Red Sea, as I said, they look back, they see the Egyptians, they start panicking. They start putting their things together because let's go back to Egypt. They feel defeated. Still, God opened the sea for them. They move into safety and then they rejoice and then they praise God. But then after, and you continue reading, they reach a place where there is no water. And what happens again? They start complaining. And they start thinking again about Egypt and they want to go back. And they actually start rebelling. And still God provides water. And then they rejoice. And then they choose to trust in the Lord. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see that pattern in your life? So if we look into this story in the coming weeks as we look into this story, what, what are we supposed to focus on? What is God trying to make our eyes focus on in the coming weeks? Is that we don't have to see the miracle to put our trust in the Lord. Because it didn't work for the people of Israel. And my brother, my sister, it's not going to work out for you. Just because you see, you think you're going to be able to trust God more. It's not going to happen. That's not who we are. Faith does not come from seeing. Faith comes by trusting. They had to see. The Bible says they saw the mighty hand of God and then they chose to trust. And we look at this verse and we think, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Actually... Hebrews 11, and you know, many of you know this verse by heart. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Their lives are going to be full of ups and downs. And when they eventually saw it, never lasted. The book of James says this in chapter 1, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person, who is that person? I don't know exactly. Hopefully none of us. But that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's a harsh one. That person that doesn't believe, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And that's how many people choose to live their lives. Like a, wa a wave blown and tossed by whichever wind is coming their way. When we are in the storm, the, the book of Hebrews says that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. That is firm. That is secure. In Isaiah 50, verse 10, and this is a beautiful verse. If, I think I've, I've read this verse for the very first time this week. It's not true because I've read the Bible quite a few times entirely, so I must have read this verse, but it feels like I've read this verse for the first time this week. I have to say. Isaiah 50, verse 10 says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Exactly the circumstances that we live, exactly the problems and the desert that you feel, you feel 
that there's so much darkness. There's not even a ray of light. What am I supposed to do? You are supposed to trust in the Lord. That's exactly what you and I need to do. And fears the Lord. We need to learn how to fear the Lord. And, and it was also this week, someone was sharing, fear of the Lord is like the fear of oxygen. It's not that I'm scared of oxygen, but I understand how essential oxygen is to life. It means that if I don't have it, I'm not going to live for much longer. So I'm not panicking. I don't have, I don't fear oxygen, but I have an understanding of what oxygen is. It's the same thing with God. In the desert, we're not fearing God. We're not scared of God. But in the desert, especially, I'm very aware of what my life would be like if I didn't have God in it. I am very aware that it would not be possible for me to endure my season if it wasn't with God. It would be impossible for you to understand and move on if it wasn't for the presence of God in your life. There would be so much more to say about this. But I, this evening, I really want to encourage you. I really want to, I, what I feel in my heart for you and me this evening is how God wants to give us the ability to move up. Like the song that we were singing that is quoting Isaiah that Gabby read, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly with wings like eagles. And when an eagle doesn't like what, the, what she is seeing right here, she can easily go up and she th sees things with a completely different perspective than what she was at before. That's how God works with us. You not only have to know that you are in this journey with the Lord, that you are in a journey of the things that he wants still to do in your life that are much beautiful and much greater than anything that we can even imagine. That's what the Word of God tells us in Romans 8. His plans are just His plans. His mind is much different than ours. And He is good. And He has planned good for you. He has planned beautiful things that your life will show who God is to others. So in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of the desert, let the Spirit of God renew your faith and your trust and give you wings like eagles. So that when you feel the lowest and the saddest and devastated by your circumstances, allow the Lord to shift your perspective and show you the things that He still wants to do in your life. Allow Him to show you that you are in a journey, that this is not the end, that God has more in store and that he is the God of the impossible and that he is able to do a lot more with your life. Don't settle for the stones in the desert when God is the God that provides you with bread. Let God, allow God, trust in the God that is able to take care of you in the desert, if the worship team will come as we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, God, that you are a God that reminds us every single day, that you will guide us with your presence every single day. Lord, help us to trust and to believe that you don't want us to just walking circles in the desert, just feeling sorry for ourselves, just feeling devastated, just feeling that there's no hope, just feeling that there's no solutions. Because those days will come, and those days have certainly come for many of us here in this room. But God, we pray according to your word that you will 
be the God that opens our eyes that there is more to see. There is more that we can see with our spiritual eyes. There is more that you have in store for our lives. There is more from you in this journey called life. And Lord, the same way that you took your people of Israel through the desert into the promised land and and we could see the plans unfolding to the moment till Jesus came and was born and he changed the the course of history in, in, in the city of Jerusalem. All of that happened, Lord, because of the the story that you were telling and the story that you are still telling with our lives. Lord, help us to understand that we fit in your story. Our story is your story, and you're not going to abandon us. You're not going to forsake us. You are at work in us. You are the God of the impossible, Lord. Help us to believe that you will do the impossible in our lives. When you challenge us to believe that you're going to open the doors, that you're the God that heals, that you're the God that provides, that you're the God that gives wisdom and grace and love and peace and joy and, 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 and gentleness, God, that you will be the God that is with us in this day and in this journey. Father, we pray that you will renew our hope and our trust this evening. And beforehand, we already thank you, God. God, we already thank you for the deliverance. We already thank you for the healing. We already thank you for the provision. We already thank you for the wisdom that you're pouring into our hearts. We already thank you for the the resolved conflicts that we will experience, God. We already thank you for the peace that is going to take over our hearts. We already thank you, Lord, for the provision. We already thank you, Lord, for the clarity and the path that you want to take us on. We already thank you, Lord, because you're the God that guides. And you're the the God that guides your people, God. So as we seek you with all of our hearts, as we pray and as we open up and as we declare with our lives, God, that we want you to be our God, the God that guides us, then you will do exactly that. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever.